It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello and welcome to the Talking City podcast. My name is, of course, Seb Parkinson. And today on the show, I'm going to be joined by Simon Baikowski all the way from Copenhagen. One thing to mention today is that, yes, you are getting two podcasts. We have the exclusive interview with Rodri from John Cross that went out earlier this morning. If you haven't checked that out, I really, really recommend you go and listen to it. It's available on all of our audio platforms as well as on YouTube. There are clips going out on Facebook, on Twitter, on TikTok, on Shorts, everywhere it's going to be. So make sure you check that out. But without further ado, Simon, welcome to the show. I was getting the train from the um, airport to the, tra- to the train station to come to my hotel. And uh, somebody recognized me because they recognized my voice from this said podcast. So we're famous. Uh, from a, da- a Danish person or a city no, fan? No, no, a city fan. City fan. We're not. We're not that big. We're not huge in Denmark. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. We're, we're huge in Denmark while City are here. That's true. Yeah. Well, on today's show, we're going to talk about that uh, Copenhagen clash that'll be in Act Three. We'll have a, a bit of a bus chat, side Some a bit, both of us a bit excited about. But to begin with, we're going to talk about City's two 0 win over Everton. Early Haaland's back in the goals as City beat Everton two 0 Two second half goals. Just run us through that performance. Yeah, it was a very strange um, performance for him, I suppose, in that he was disconnected from the rest of the team for for large chunks of it. He spent just ages trying to get onto the ball and failing to get onto the ball, and Guardiola was going spare for uh, most of the game, really. Um, You know, even after City had scored about how slow the team were to, to build up, Everton were really kind of defending very well, doing a number on them, going down kind of every time the ball went out of play to to break up the rhythm of the game and and stop City from getting any rhythm. Um, and then from a a corner after seventy minutes, the ball is loose in the box, and there is Erling Haaland to lash in with his uh, with his right foot, an, an unstoppable effort past Jordan Pickford, and you sort of think, yeah, that's that's what City have. Uh, been missing uh while he's been out and yeah and then the second one was I mean textbook Haaland textbook De Bruyne to find him it, it reminded me very much of Haaland's second goal for the club when he scored against West Ham uh the opening day of last season he just kind of like ran onto the ball slotted it past the keeper with one touch it was and also had kind of that textbook bounce the defender in away from him and uh, carry on with the ball so a very impressive performance from him to top off kind of his first goal since November. 
I want to really oh like talk up that second goal because Kevin De Bruyne started on the bench. A lot of City fans would have been pining to see them both starting together, especially at home as well. Um, but he started on the bench, so Pep, you know, kept us waiting, kept us, kept us wanting. He came off the bench, and it sort of looked like De Bruyne was was sort of desperate to get a goal as well. Like he looked like he was he was himself was pining to 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 make that difference. But that counter attack side, Everton were piling the pressure on. They were trying to get that equaliser, and I, I remember watching it and just thinking, this you could not pick three better players to do that counter-attack. Ake won the ball at the left-back position-ish, played it through to De Bruyne. De Bruyne with the most beautiful through ball you will ever see. The weight on it, the way the ball held up as it as it reached Haaland, and then Haaland's power and strength to just dominate the defender and knocking him to the ground. You'd bet your mortgage on, on Haaland scoring from that. And, and I think he needed that, didn't he? He needed that. People were saying, oh, he's come back from injury, he's not scoring, he's not scoring. Then he gets one and he gets two. And uh, he nearly got his third, didn't he, at the end, actually? Yes, yeah, yeah. And it was one of those things when um, Harlem was coming to English football and everyone said, yeah, but how is he going to succeed? Because you don't get the room to run like you do in the Bundesliga. And you think, well, fair enough, because teams don't give him room to run because when they give him room to run like that, he's sort of nigh on unstoppable. We spoke to Nathan Ake about it after the game and he was like, yeah, you... You're really struggling to deal with it when uh, when he gets a bit of a bit of movement to um, to go at, and it, it sort of you know I think it's the first assist from De Bruyne to Haaland this season. It, it kind of the pass was perfectly weighted. The, everything about the run was was perfect, and it and it just kind of opens up that extra way of playing for City um, that they've not been able to to have. Like you say, um, De Bruyne being on the bench, it was a bit like oh okay, let's kind of take this. Like it might be rotation for the Champions League, making him sure he's fresh. But the fact that he does need to make sure he's fresh because he had played two consecutive starts in the Premier League, but you know three was deemed a bit beyond him with uh, this Champions League game coming up. So it was kind of a reminder that oh right, City can't just rely on De Bruyne to win every game for them. Uh, but then De Bruyne showed that he only needs very little time to to make an impact and. You know, his returns since coming back from injury are pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, that, that game when he came off the bench against Newcastle and just basically changed the game. What did he play 15, 20 minutes in that game? You know, you'd you think that it was Lionel Messi, you know, and his prime coming on. It was absolutely incredible. And, you know, a lot of people are comparing De Bruyne and saying, oh, is he is he creeping into that? best ever Premier League midfield. I think he's there. I think he's well established as being one of the best midfielders. You know, you talk about your Paul Scholes, your Gerard, your Lampard. Well, De Bruyne is well and truly in that conversation now. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Yeah, yeah, he's there. Um, you know, he <clears throat> he's certainly up there with the most talented players I've ever watched. Um, and I, I've watched those three. I've not watched them nearly as much as I have De Bruyne, but, you know, he remains one of those people who you're one of those few players who, you know, they do things that just make your, your jaw drop when when you're watching. Um, and the numbers speak to themselves. He's recently moved up to third in the uh, the overall assists in the, the Premier League charts. I think he's a long way off gigs, but I think, to be honest, like injuries are going to be the only thing that stop him overtaking gigs and overtaking gigs in kind of a lot less time than gigs managed it. You know, Haaland said it after the Everton game. He was just like, 
you know where he's going to play the ball. Like we've played together for a year, but I watched him before we came. So I know where he's going to play, play the ball. And, and that's because Haaland's world-class as well, right? Because none of us know where the ball is going to go and Premier League defences don't know where the ball is going to go. But even when they do know, it's another thing to, to stop it. City have got two of the best players in the world back and fit for this time of the season, which seems quite nice for Pep Guardiola. It feels like it was this time last year, wasn't it? Or around this time last year when City sort of, it, it became known, it became apparent that City had their fully fit squad at, at, at a period of time when a lot of teams, you know, struggle with injuries at this time of year. You know, the game's coming thick and fast and it was like City have just, they've just hit form and it's almost like Pep Guardiola's done it again. You know, it's almost, it's almost like he's just found his rhythm right at the right moment with his team. Yeah, it 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 is, and and there's still kind of you know I wrote on um, on Saturday that you, all this talk of like oh the treble will be easy then like Saturday was a struggle they really really struggled but you can look at it in two ways you can either think oh it was a struggle it won't be easy or you can say uh, oh they won again so they do keep finding ways to win you know there's there's a bit of both in there but I, I sort of. It, it it will be really difficult for them to go on and do what they've done, but they do seem to be finding form. And, and you've got to look at kind of these other competitions, like when they were s- struggling in the Premier League this season, which they did until, you know, they left for the Club World Cup in December, really. The Super Cup gave them a boost. The Champions League gave them a boost when they won all six games. The Club World Cup gave them a big boost. The Club World Cup, the, those semi-final and finals, are the start of City's 10-match unbeaten run. So, you know, if City do go on to win the Premier League this season, then they'll have those other competitions to to thank for sort of keeping them going when they, they really were struggling in, in the Premier League. Just want to talk to you about the formation, Si. When I, when I had a look at the City lineup, I saw you've got Akanji, Ake, Diaz, Stones... And I looked at that lineup and I thought, oh, this this is based on what the BBC posted, which was Akanji at left back, Ake centre back, Ruben Diaz, and then John Stones at right back. Just uh, Pep Guardiola doesn't have to throw some spanners at us when when it comes to you know we talk about predicting the eleven for the on the previous pod and we say oh do you think it's going to start and it's like sometimes you just you can't predict it. So when you saw that formation coming out and you saw John Stones at right back, what? Any reason why that would have been? Why, why not Kyle Walker? Well, I expected a Kanji at right back and Stones in the middle and Ake on the left. And the reason for that being that that was the back four for the Champions League final when Walker was left out. And and this is the because of injuries, this is the first time this season that this back four has been able to be fielded. So I thought, well, maybe not insignificant that this is the first time he's been able to play these four at the back and he has we'll probably see something like you know last season that took City to the treble with these four big centre-backs um bossing the defence and then they start playing and it's clear that it's like you're waiting for Stones to go forward into midfield but it's a Kanji that does and then Stones goes forward as well and it's like Ake and Diaz at the back as a two and it's like a two three five and it, you just even when you think you've got Guardiola and his tactics down, he finds new ways to surprise. Like it's no wonder that people just hate facing the City team because there's something new every every three matches, and you know we wait and see whether this 
sticks, but it's clearly something that they've done a bit of work on. And, you know, Pep 2.0 or 8.0 or 43.0 is kind of finding its way into the team now that everyone's fit again. Um, and it, yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, you know, they, they struggled. Um, like I say, Pep was really unhappy at how slowly they were moving the ball. But, you know, you think back to last season when people say, oh, we just got to a certain moment and everything clicked. And you think, hmm, I wonder if that's happening again. We saw Grealish got some minutes, which is good. Only last five, five well, they had 10 minutes of, um, of added time at the end of the game. So he came on for essentially 13 minutes rather than just a three. Bernardo Silva came off the bench to replace Alvarez on 77 minutes. And obviously De Bruyne replaced Nunes. Now, Nunes on paper was starting alongside Rodri, but then it looked like very similar to what happened in the game prior to this. Rodri was just sort of left to man the whole of the midfield himself. And Nunes was, was up there in the attacking third with Alvarez, Doku and Foden. So again, you know, you look at that and you've got a front five of Doku, Alvarez, Nunes, Foden, Haaland. City, City didn't break Everton down until the second half. So is it, can you see any tactical reason why that was or whether it was just Everton, just pure defence? I mean, Everton did well. Uh, Nunes didn't play well at all. His last game that he played against Burnley, he had his best performance in a City shirt and he looked really positive, made the opening goal for Alvarez and was causing problems between and behind the lines. Um, this game just... He... It wasn't good, um, you know, and that shows kind of an erratic level that maybe suggests why he isn't starting more regularly. Because um, after the Burnley game, you think, right, you've got another start, now go and kick on. And he just wasn't, didn't seem like he was fully committed to what he was doing. Um, Doku and Nunes in the same team is a lot of chaos in a team that is mostly about control. You've got Nunes who kind of had a bit of a free roll and Doku you know, did very well at times, taking players on, skinning players, also gave the ball away a lot. And maybe you have to accept that with Doku, but it's still something that is a challenge to accept in a City team where we're used to not seeing players give the ball away. So so I think sort of when, when you know, Doku did really well to create openings after kind of, slow moves forward but then he was also not so great at sort of providing openings um when he was in a position to do better than he he did so i think that had something to to do with it i, th I think yeah everton did play well but it was city just kind of it, it i mean ty said it was it was very 12 30. i didn't feel like everyone was was up for the game um, so to speak, and it was a real battle to kind of get through Everton. Yeah, and I think I guess I guess a lot of the players will be looking at this Copenhagen game thinking it's Champions League. I want to play in that. I also don't I want to make sure I don't get injured. I want to make sure I'm as fresh as I can be for that as well. And obviously, we know that Pep's priority, regardless of anything, is always the Champions League, isn't it? But Grealish came off the bench then. Sai, we we sort of mentioned that. Got ten minutes or so, you know, with the added time. Did he impress you? Um, has he impressed you this season, really? He didn't necessarily caught the eye, but Pep talking about him after the game caught caught the eye. I think um, you know it was a it was a surprise on Friday to hear Pep sort of say 
Grealish needs to get back to his levels from last season. He's working towards it, but he's not at the levels of, of last season. Um, and then on from what he said on Friday, you kind of thought, yeah, he's not really close to getting back in the team then. And then he, he didn't start, obviously, and Doku did. Um, but he came off the bench, and then after the game, he was one of the players singled out by, by Pep as sort of the the work of the substitutes in in doing really well and helping City win the game. Um, you know, and Pep doesn't doesn't make either comment lightly. Um, you know, I'd probably say he probably doesn't make the first comment unless he's convinced that Grealish is getting there. He probably doesn't say, Oh, he's he's rubbish. He's rubbish at the minute. He's it's more kind of, yeah, he's not been that good, but he is building his way back up. And then we saw more of him building his way back up on Saturday with the brief appearance and Pep kind of giving further credence to that and saying, yeah, he is he is doing things now for the team that are, that are really good. So Grealish, obviously key to the Champions League success last year against Bayern and Real Madrid. So he will be looking to get his, his place back when he can. And I think the signs are that he's closer now than he was maybe before Saturday's game against Everton. Um, but it's still, you know, a very different team that he walks back into. And there are a lot of attackers in that team who are sort of fighting for the same same place. So he's still got quite a challenge ahead of him. Yeah, we talked about the idea that Alvarez has done his job at filling in for Haaland whilst he's been injured. Do we feel that Doku is doing the same job whilst Grealish gets tactically ready and fitness ready? Or do you feel that there is a much more competitive edge between the two of them as opposed to Haaland will obviously be number one when he comes back? Uh, well, I mean, Doku isn't the best in the world in his position. So it, it, it's easy for Grealish to think they can he can come back in. And that, and because they both do such different jobs, it's kind of like, regardless of who's better, you know, who you might think is better at football, it's who's better at Guardiola's system. Um, and so, you know, if Guardiola goes for all-out control again, then Grealish has got to fancy his chances. But he's also got to think that, you know, Bernardo Silva is there and... Phil Foden is there and Julian Alvarez is there and, and all of those are kind of competing for that place as well because, you know, as we've tried to describe the formations this season and in recent matches, it, it's not quite as defined as it used to be. So, you know, his his role was very clearly set for the treble and that role doesn't currently exist. So um, it's up to him to kind of find his way back into the team. Finally then, side to end part one. Did City play well against Everton? <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about, um, you know, whether they, whether you saw that match as a struggle for City or, you know, another comfortable win, 10 on the bounce and, and whatever. Um, you know, it, it, it had the makings of a game that was set out to frustrate. And even like we spoke when they went 1-0 down to Brentford and then Mark Flacken was pulling out 1500 saves in the first half you, you you could easily think yeah well you can see why they lost that match or you can see why they drew that match and they didn't which which has to be a good a good sign you know i think they were they were prevented from playing well by a very dogged everton team for for large spells but they also didn't play as well as they can 
Um, how much of that was down to this new formation with just two at the back? I'm not sure, but it, it definitely felt like there were there were teething problems. Um, you know, it has the feeling of a match where it, it might be forgotten quickly and it might not be remembered as a game where they played very well, but it might be remembered as a game that was that kind of the the first flag on the moon for a, a new galaxy to conquer. That is going to be the end of part one. But for many of you watching this, especially if you're Manchester-based, it is half-term for you and your kids. Might be wondering what to do. Well, Manchester City Stadium Tour could be what's for you. Uh, check it out, City Stadium Tour. If you go to the Man City website, you can check that out. But we've also got a competition running, which is going to end at the end of February. We'll announce the winner of the competition in early March. If you want to get involved, here is how you do it. We've teamed up with Manchester City to bring one listener the ultimate Manchester City fan experience. Immerse yourself in City's state-of-the-art stadium tour experience featuring all three of the treble winners' trophies as well as a first-hand feel as you walk out from the Etihad Stadium glass tunnel. But that's not all. Not only will you have a full tour of the stadium in all its glory, you will sit in Pep Guardiola's seat on the touchline to soak up that match day feel as well as experience the newly updated virtual press room where you can sit next to the likes of Pep Guardiola himself, Manuel Akanji, Nathan Ake and Erling Haaland. If you want to be in with a chance of winning this fantastic prize, all you have to do is subscribe to the Talking City podcast and leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and email a screenshot with your name, location, and contact information to TalkingCityPod. That's TalkingCityPod at gmail.com. And we will announce the winner very soon. Good luck. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast with myself, Seth Parkinson, and Simon Bykowski. Now, Simon, the the most intense part of this podcast is is about to take place. Manchester City have announced 17 new bus routes to bring you, the fans, to Manchester City's home games at the Etihad Stadium from this weekend against Chelsea, Si. 17 new routes. You live out in the sticks over in Oldham. So uh, do, do, do you think you'll get on one of these buses? Well, I don't think they would get there in time for me to uh, do everything that I need to do to keep the website so wonderfully updated during a game. But if I was going to a going to a game, I might do. Well, City have announced seventeen routes, so the seventeen routes can travel can bring you in from as far away as Radcliffe in Bury, Wrensnest in in Oldham in Shaw, 
Withenshaw and Macclesfield. So the, the idea behind it, for people listening who don't know, is that City have identified either where there is poor transport links to get to the, to get to the city centre or where there is a, a mass of season ticket holders who may want to travel. Now, the idea behind it as well is to get less congestion outside the stadium, less cars on the road, reduce your carbon footprint. Sai, what do you know about this and, and how do you see it? Is it good? Is it bad? It can't be bad, surely. I think it has to be seen as good. You know, it, it, it's something that I think a few bus routes have been trialled the start of this season and it is it, it's obviously worked well enough for them to to extend it out to to more areas like it's quite good i think that there are buses from kind of like you say like macclesfield and um altrincham and places that are, are quite far away uh or you know takes ages on public transport maybe um to sort of or you know the the tram to um to, to allow another route and you know get another way of of getting to the ground and obviously the stadium is quite well served by trams but more public transport can't be a bad thing yeah so city have announced that the there's going to be around 60 stops covering 340 miles across the across the 17 routes and they've priced it at if if you're in zone one, which if you, if you look at the map, you'll see that they've, they've sort of done it in the same vein as the, the Metrolink. If you're in zone one, a return will cost you six quid. And if you're in zone two, a return will cost you eight quid. And if you get a if you get on the bus on the way to the ground, you're guaranteed to see on the way back. If you bought the return, you're not going to be scrambling for a seat. So it's, it, it's good in that sense. But I think some of the fans that I've spoke to have, have sort of said, that seems a bit expensive for a bus, considering it's two quid one way on the on the B network. So, what do you know about the pricing structure, if anything, and what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, they, they say it's been um, it's been priced in accordance with the the B network and everything else. I mean, I don't fully know um, how far the B network extends, but and and it's slightly confusing because City have done it in like two zones, whereas sort of the um, Metrolink map with the trams is like four zones so you know up the sort of furthest bits of Oldham are zone four on the Metrolink map and it's like £4.60 for a single whereas you're talking £4 single um, on the on these new buses but it is zone two so it seems like you could get confused with the with the zones um, so I think there is kind of a bit that can be uh, there can be more clarity to it uh, shall we say and also the sort of yeah I mean I, I can't say I know how how it will be taken up you know are people going to book a return on it and go there you know get there an hour before the game and then leave kind of shortly after the match finishes are they just going to get a single there and then go out in town maybe and come back or um, I'm not fully sure how the um, how the buses will be taken up and you know i'm not fully sure if city have got that data or know what to expect they'll know a bit from the trial route but um yeah in terms of it being more expensive than the uh, the b network yeah it is and the club should always be trying to to save costs for um people their fans their local community um it would be nice if they you know, were to run them for free or something like that, or at two pound. But at the same time, 
we kind of are also long enough in the tooth to know that the club are a, a global brand and business and, you know, have people in high positions who are always looking for extra ways to make money. And, you know, season tickets have gone up um, quite a bit over the course of the last 10 years. And, um, you know, they would say that that is because the team is more successful and, and everything like that. And, you know, City aren't alone in that. I think um, United's went up 5% for next year or something like that. And other teams certainly have, but it, it it's always a case of um, thinking, oh, well, they could do this and they could, and maybe they should. Um, but outside of that ideal world, it's, still pretty good I think that there are now more ways to get to a game than there were and more ways to get back from a game than there were and it's not ludicrously priced no I agree I think I think the only again the the, the points of contention the, the gray areas with with the whole scheme is it's all well and good I was pointing out the positives which is fantastic you know City are putting on 1300 1360 I think it works out at if it's 80 people on each of these 17 buses can get to a game that's 1,300 people, which could potentially be several hundred cars, you know, on, not on the road, and, and several hundred spaces on the Metrolink for people who don't have access to these buses to be able to get to a game. Because we know how sardine-tinned these, um, the trams can be and, and, and other routes, and we know that the traffic is, is absolute chaos outside the ground. It's the same at a lot of football grounds, especially Premier League grounds. So, so that's great. The only sort of points of issue I have and, and questions are, so City have announced that there's going to be one bus per route. So the 17 buses, essentially. 60 stops. So however many stops are going to be on each designated route. And obviously the idea of accessibility means accessibility for the stadium. So what if one of the, one of the buses has, you know, six people who turn up in a wheelchair? I, I guess each bus probably has a capacity of maybe four wheelchairs. So do those, do those people just get left behind? And the, the, these are sort of questions that I would ask, and I would ask the I would like to ask the club and say, like, you know, how are you gonna how are you gonna manage, pe- you know, disappointment basically? Luckily for you, I have spoken to the club about it, so I can answer all of your questions. And it's you know, it's a first come first serve basis. There are eighty seats on that bus, and if you're one of the first eighty, then congratulations. If there's not, then it's the same as if you're trying to get another bus to the game or a tram to the game and you and more people turn up to get on the tram than than you do and it's different in that there are just one bus but um you know the club are constantly reviewing these things and say that if there is demand for more than one bus then there will be more than one one bus but you know as an extension of a trial and it is kind of you know don't know how many games are left till the end of the season maybe 10 12 um they will see how how this all goes. And yeah, if there are only spots for four wheelchair users and six of them turn up, then the first four who who get on will will get on, I expect. And that is just kind of how the way the world works. Yeah, so it's how public transport works in general, isn't it, I suppose. It's um it's it's not it's not a sorry, tough. It's just I guess the the only caveat to it is with buses generally there'll be another bus in 15 or 20 minutes you can get on. Whereas with this, that's it. So if you, if you can't get on it, and, and I guess for the first time, when this, when this launches at the weekend against Chelsea, 
you know, the uptake, the uptake could either be quite low because not many people have heard enough about it. And then the next home game, it could be, but you know, the Copenhagen game is the question for me is, are they going to do these? Cause it says every home game on the, on the, on the press release, but is that including night games? So is that going to include in the 7.45 kickoffs with a, a bus leaving the ground at, you know, half 10, 11 o'clock back to that route? I'm assuming that the answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've looked on the, um, you can go on the TFGM website and the, the times for every bus route that you need to be the times when it will leave each stop and arrive at the Etihad and then vice versa from after the ground and where you need to be are already on um, the website on uh, TFGM for like four upcoming games. So yeah, Chelsea 5.30 and then the next one. And then, so it, it, they are for every game, but it, it obviously the times vary for each kickoff, but they are up there for, for at least the next three or four games, I think. Brilliant. Well, look, I think overridingly, it's a positive thing. And if more clubs put on more of these services, fans will have a much better experience at getting to games overall. You know, there will be teething problems with this. There's always going to be when there's a new initiative. There's going to be people who turn up for the bus and it's they're going to miss it or, or whatever. You know, so it is what it is. And I, I hope it's a success because... You know, I think in the '90s there was this fan bus service, which was which was which was taken away for for whatever reason. There's been so many service cuts on TFGM and, and around Greater Manchester again for various reasons, whether it's low passenger uptake or just you can make money elsewhere. So hopefully this is a success. Yeah, and and it's it sounds like quite twee, but like you know, I, I remember speaking not so long ago to Paul Power, who used to play for the club, and like remembered kind of as a schoolboy getting the bus from Withenshaw to to the stadium and just that that kind of experience of getting on a bus with like a load of fellow fans and you're a young kid and you can hear all these different conversations going on about the match and about life and then you know you get back on the bus at the end of the game and everyone's talking about the game in different ways and and like you know it like I say it sounds kind of Twee and oh, back in the days, but um, it is. It would be nice if you know if putting on these routes can encourage a bit more kind of community. My plan Saturday is to go and get the bus. Si, I'm going to go to Oldham. I'm going to go to Wren's Nest, and I'm going to get the bus. I'm going to see. I think I think that's the closest one to me. So I'm going to film it. I'm going to make a video out of it. I'm going to make a little. Uh, a little uh, video out of it, package for it, and it'll either go in next week's pod or it'll just go up on YouTube as a separate thing. So anybody listening who's interested in what the experience of getting these buses is, well, you're going to have a first-hand account from myself. Si, let's move on because we've done a massive bus chat. We knew this was coming and we know that we both love our public transport. So, um, right, Champions League's back, Si. We're into February. It's mid-February now. The, the Premier League season is rolling on. The FA Cup season is rolling on. And the Champions League is back. City are second, I believe, in the table after Liverpool's win. So, you know, good good position to be in going into the Champions League return. City travel to Copenhagen. So where are City at now compared to this time last season or just in general in the season? Are you happy with where they're at? Do City fans be happy with where they're at? I think the players are very happy with where they're at. You know, I was speaking to um, Ruben Diaz the other week and he was saying, you know, whatever people say, we've had a really good season so far. And I, I think there's a, a bit of a feeling within the City camp that they've maybe not got the credit that they would like for for what they have done so far. And, you know, and, and Diaz also said, 
everyone talks about kind of the end of the season uh, runs that we go on, but he's like, we only can go on those because we've put in enough work beforehand to put us in the position to go in on those. You know, if City um, do go on to win the title with a long winning run, then they'll have done it from a position of, what, like fourth in December? Like <clears throat> five or eight points off the the top or whatever. So so it's not massive. It's not like they completely dropped off a cliff after the after the treble. Um but at the same time they're they're really looking, you know, we're still working out what the best city eleven is this season. Um and and we were last season, but then they were particularly bad last kind of December and January. Uh but yeah with De Bruyne and Haaland coming in and Stones back as well, it kind of feels like a new a new team and we, we're not sure how they're going to play. Are they going to revert back to what they did last season? But then other players are in different periods of form and how do you go through and Foden and Alvarez are there again. Um, so it it's quite interestingly set up, but it is the time of the season when City usually kick on and say, look, this is the time now where you start winning trophies. And, um, you know, you would you would expect them to to be strong again this week and this month. Yeah, because there was that talk, wasn't there, about, ooh, what's going on at City in October, November, when they had that little blip where they drew 4 all with Chelsea, one all with Liverpool, got beat by Aston Villa, you know, drew with Tottenham, you know, drew drew, drew later on with Crystal Palace, you know, just between the, uh, between the uh, sorry, just after the Champions League against Red Star, you know, uh, uh, and it was like, since then, so since that defeat against Villa, City have won, uh, every single game apart from one, which was the, the, the draw with Crystal Palace. So it, it's amazing, isn't it, how the conversation changes between, oh, City are having a dip. Are they, can they do it? Are they going to do this? Even even myself, side talking to you a couple of weeks ago, saying, can City win the treble again? And you were saying, well, why can't they? You know, and, and the evidence is there now to say, well, look, they, they, no, there's not a single team that they've played that's beat them uh, since, um, since the 6th of December. So they're unbeaten, obviously, in 2024. Won every single game in 2024. You know, Guardiola mostly agrees with with you. Like I said, they've got a 0.01% chance of winning the treble. Um, so, you know, they the players and the staff might feel like they're getting more up for it. But at the same time, it's still far, far more unlikely than it is likely. Um, so it, it's, it's difficult, but you look at this team and what they've done over the last two months and, and you know, Guardiola has been unhappy about kind of the, the coverage of that period where they, they only won one in six games in the league. And, you know, he doesn't say it was, doesn't think it was kind of as, as bad or as built up. And you, he spoke on Friday and said, you know, I always said the performance level was good and we're continuing that, with that. But at the same time, after the Villa game, it was so bad that all the players felt the need to arrange a meeting so they could talk honestly about what was going wrong and take responsibility for it. And and since that point, they've done much better. Um, so you, you kind of look at December as, as a real moment where City started to really look not good, and especially that Villa game. Maybe you can write it off, but they were, I wouldn't say they were so bad, but they were outclassed to a level where you have rarely seen the City team outclassed. Um, they were they were comprehensively second best. And you can barely say that about eight years of Guardiola. So um, that kind of may end up a real turning point in the season when 
everyone turned around and said, you know what, we need to we need to change if we're going to turn our season around. And it might not have made that much difference to the performance. And like I say, the Villa display might have been a one-off, but in the mindset of the players, that was certainly enough for them to say, no, we need to improve. And they have. Yeah, and I think obviously with the with the Aston Villa game as well, it's like Aston Villa were going through a huge spike in form at that point. And it feels that like, if you if you look at it now, if you look at it retrospectively, City were probably playing their worst that they will play this season. And Aston Villa were playing their best that they will play this season. And if that is City's worst, I would, I'd say City fans have nothing to worry about really because you were playing against a team that were playing what is their best football and their manager is getting plaudit after plaudit for being how incredible he is. And again, like they've beat, yeah, they beat City. But if you look at what City have gone on and done since that and where, where the, you know, the table, if you look at the Premier League table now, Villa sitting fifth, four point, uh, five points above United. City are in second with a game in hand over Liverpool, who sit top, two points behind them. They've won every game this year, as we've said. Um, Simon, double treble, is it happening? <laughs> Put me on the spot there. Um, well, you know, I think I think it's going to happen more than you think it's going to happen. I'm really intrigued to see where we are in a month. Because in a month, City could be in the last day of the Champions League, the last day of the quarterfinal, and the last day of the FA Cup. And they'll have had games against United and Liverpool away. United at home and Liverpool away. You know, if they can get through this next month with the form that they've shown and the results that they've shown, then they will be really, really on their way. But then it, it has felt, partly because I've pushed it, because I said it at the start of the season, like Liverpool would push City the closest. Then you see Arsenal winning 6-0 at West Ham. And within one game, they've not only gone back level on points with City, but they've equaled the goal difference. So maybe, again, you know, I think Arsenal coming to City at the end of March... City have a huge advantage and last season when Arsenal came up in April they got demolished but maybe this is a different Arsenal and maybe it's a a three horse race and maybe City and City and Liverpool draw at Anfield and Arsenal are licking the lips because they can take advantage so there is still loads that can go on and that's why talking about a double treble or you know a fourth Premier League title in a row is so um, premature but I think if you'd ask City if they'd want to be in this position at this stage of the season uh, in August, they'd have bitten every limb you've got off for it. And this is the thing, and what we've got coming up, which is always a very, very definitive time in a club season, especially club competing on three, four, five fronts or whatever. At the end of February, City have got Luton Town away in the FA Cup, followed by Man United at home in the Premier League, followed by Copenhagen at home. Now, depending on what the results are leading up to that, City could potentially be odds-on to go and win the treble again after those three games, or out of two of the three competitions and chasing the pack in terms of the Premier League. Like That's how finely balanced football is and how wonderful it is. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, last in December and even January, the talk from City was we need to kind of... St- still be in contention. We we can't afford to be too far away from Liverpool when we go to Anfield. That was that was the target. Well now if they win the game in if they beat Chelsea at the weekend and win the game in hand against Brentford three days later, 
the top of the league. And if they keep those results, then they go to Anfield ahead. So that changes things as well. So um, yeah, there is there is so much that can that can happen still, but also it is just making it's taking advantage of the bits that no one really looks at. You know, if if we if we look at if City win this title in May, we're not going to be talking about them beating Brentford and Everton and Brentford again and Bournemouth in in February. We're going to be talking about March when they beat United and Liverpool and Arsenal or something like that. But by winning these games in February, like, you know, I was talking about with Diaz earlier, you, you put the pressure on and you build up the points that allow you to be in that position to take advantage of those situations in March. So this is what City are doing at the minute. They're, they are building and building towards where they want to be, to be at their best for those, you know, big games. And the beauty of it is Pep Guardiola's got last season to look back on as a, as a, we've done this before. So it's not even like you're going, oh, it's unprecedented, blah, 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 blah. Granted, it's unprecedented to win a double treble, but to win a treble in a season, they've done it, he's, he's done it before now. So he can look back at last season and go, what did I do last season? What, did, what mistakes did I make, if any? And what can I improve on? And that's the scary thing for other teams is that, you know, you talk about City winning a treble again. Well, they've done it once. They can do it again. They're doing, you know, all the signs are, are now pointing to suggest that it, it could happen, you know. And, and as, you know, I, I, I don't want to say it won't happen. I just don't think it'll happen. But the, the, more, the more they keep winning, the more you can't deny that it could happen because they're in, they're in it to win it, you know. And, but that's exactly it. Like at the start of a season, like it happened once in English football before City did it last year. And maybe at the start of this year, you say, right, well, there's a there's a 1% chance it can happen again. And then it goes up to 2% if it's still possible by September. And then three, and then four, and then, oh, they're not playing so well. So maybe down to, back down to one. And then it starts building again. And, you know, Guardiola will not entertain questions about it until they're, you know, maybe three games away from it. it or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the longer that the season goes on where they're not ruled out of it, the more possible it is. And when they've won 10 games in a row, it's, it's very, very possible. So, you know, the, the more they can take advantage of their form at the minute and keep winning, the closer they will get to it, however unlikely it still remains. We'll wind down part two there. I've had a nice big chunky part two there, Si. We're back in a set for part three where we will talk about Manchester City's trip to Copenhagen. Simon's in Denmark now. So we'll find out what the team news is, if we've got it by now, because City's training is at 12 o'clock, which is now 12.14. So we should have a little bit of an update from Tyrone, who's down at the Etihad Stadium. See you in a sec. Welcome back to part three, your final part of this Manchester City podcast, talking City from the Manchester Evening News previewing Manchester City's trip to Denmark to face Copenhagen. Now we know Copenhagen beat Manchester United in this very stadium 4-3. So they know they've got form at beating Manchester team's side. What's the atmosphere like over there? You said at the start of the pod that you got recognised. What What's it like other than the weather being a bit sleety? Uh, well, I mean, I've not seen any of the atmosphere because um, I've come straight to the hotel to do the podcast. So, um, oh, I'm sorry. Not, not Well, you know, anything for the job. Um, I'll be heading off <laughs> shortly to um for the Copenhagen press conference and then the city press conference to 
to hear what the mood is. I think, you know, Copenhagen obviously feel like they're huge underdogs. Um, but will have taken, you know, they feel like they can match anyone at this stadium, uh, which tends to have a very, very good atmosphere. And they also feel like um, they are better placed than last year when they played City in the groups. And got a, a creditable nil-nil draw um, here, uh, even if City did have a, a man sent off early on. But yeah, um, you know, they have to be prepared for as one of the best 16 teams in Europe because because that's what they are. They got out of a, of a very difficult group. Um, you know, where did you say United are on the table now? Is it fifth or sixth? Sixth, probably. So United, United are sixth, five points behind Villa. There we are. So, um, so they beat the the sixth best team in England, and uh, also got past Galatasaray to make it. So that is no uh, easy easy thing to do. So City will will not come expecting to to steamroll Copenhagen. No, and of course Bayern Munich were in that group as well with Man United and Bayern Munich. I mean, I don't know if you've seen inside the clip of. Thomas Muller, uh, a very, very passionate post-match interview. Uh, Jose Mourinho, I've seen this morning, has been hinted at taking over from uh, Thomas Tuchel. I always say Thomas Muller again, and I was like, no. From Thomas Tuchel, sorry, over at Bayern Munich. So, you know, we'll see what the managerial merry-go-round says about Thomas Tuchel's next move, if that if that was to happen. Well, you know, Tuchel would be interesting at City after Pep. Well, I think Samuel was talking on the United pod about Tuchel serenading United when, when Bayern beat United and he was saying how great a club it was. So, you know, I wouldn't rule out the idea of him going to Old Trafford if if Ten Hag is relieved of his duties at the end of the season, depending <laughs> on how United end the season. So, again, the managerial merry-go-round never ceases to amaze. But, um, you know, so it's 20 past 12 now as we're recording. Has Ty filed any team news yet? Or what, what do you know? He has, actually. He has. Let, let me read. He says, no Kovacic at training. Um, and not 100% sure on Gomez. Youngster Tom Galvez did train. So there we are. Not very exciting. Kovacic was missing uh, at the weekend with a bit of an injury. Um, so it, that would mean, that would take us back to just Brentford last week as the one time when Pep has had every first team player available this season. So I won't be surprised if Kovacic doesn't make the travelling squad. Um, City are flying over later this afternoon so um i would expect the traveling squad to be be released then but yeah if Kovacic is the only absence uh or you know if gomez adds to that absence then i think we can say city are in a pretty good position yeah jacob wright was on the bench for city against everton assuming replacing Kovacic. uh chance that he could he could travel with the squad be good experience for him young midfielder coming through the academy of High praise from from Phil Foden. Uh, if you want to read more about Jacob Wright, by the way, Joe Bray has written a brilliant piece which basically explains exactly who he is. Same with Michael Hamilton, who made his name, didn't he, against uh, against Red Star and that that article that Joe wrote really did really well because people were like, who is this Michael Hamilton? He scored. So if you do want to keep up to date with City's youth team and, and academy players, head over to the Manchester Evening News now. There's a lot of content on there. But Sai, so predicted eleven then. It's probably writes itself, I assume. Never writes itself with Pep. I think we could expect Walker to come back in. Maybe Walker, Akanji, Diaz, Ake. And then Rodri, Foden and De Bruyne. And then Bernardo Silva, 
I'm going to go Grealish and Haaland just because that there's a few Champions League group games this year away from home where Docker and Alvarez were, I would say, benched, but then they came off the bench and helped City win the game. So maybe they were specialist substitutes. Um, so I think Pep might go that way again. Who do you think the key player in the opposition would be that City needs to watch out for? All of them. I was reading, I, I was surprised that because um, Scott McKenna has just moved there from uh, Nottingham Forest, um, which was a move that I did not see coming. But there's a, a January uh, deadline deadline for, for you. Um, I mean, El Yanusi was, uh, was quite, is, is one of the more well-known players. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think City are, are in that position where they're, they're just kind of like, we need to make sure we're on, we're up to date with everything we need to do and then we'll be all right. I think from a United fans' perspective, Oscar and Emil Hoyland coming off the bench or coming into the game to knock City out of the Champions League would be something that they'd be looking for. But yeah, I think um, obviously Klaassen. Klaassen's a good player for, for Copenhagen, good solid yeah, central midfielder, yeah. captain I'm, as well. I'm, I mean, uh, Rooney did the damage, didn't he, against United? He's uh, got quite a few admirers with uh, with his his performances, so he might be might be one to watch. But you can just tell. I, I can envisage um, Pep getting a question tonight on it, and either naming about eight players in the team as we've managed to do, or just saying all of them. Yeah, but it's just one of them, though, isn't it? Because Copenhagen go in it as you know outsiders. Let's be honest, and they're going to be one to be like. You know they're going to be one. It's, like, it's going to feel like, and I don't want to play them down because I feel like I'm talking down of them. But it's sort of going to be like a championship team wanting to knock the big giant out of the competition. Uh, I feel, and I think that they're going to set up in a way where they're very similar to what they did against against United. I would imagine where they set up to to counter them really and and try and damage them that way. But saying that, when 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 Copenhagen were at Old Trafford, they probably should have scored about three or four within the first ten minutes. So. You know, you, you can, you can. It's hard to predict these, and you can. I, I, I will end up looking very silly with everything I say, so I'm not too fussed. So, um, let's finish on them with a the score prediction. Si, how do you think this is going to go? Uh, I think City will control it. I think it will be three-one. You think they're going to concede? Then Edison won't be too happy with you. Well, they always concede these days. It's uh, not not too often they can bank on a clean sheet, and certainly away from home. I think it's the last four they've gone behind in and then won. So, um, yeah, it might be... Uh, I, I could see Copenhagen getting something, but I think City will will pick up a, a healthy advantage to take into the second leg. I'm going to say 2-0 City. I think Haaland and De Bruyne will score. I'm going to be... I'm going to sit on the fence with my two goal scorers being the unlikely sources <laughs> of goals. <laughs> no, I think 2-0. City, Haaland. I think it'd be. I think it'd be an efficient performance. I think Pep will want to get in there, get out of there, get prepped yeah. for Chelsea on Saturday. Yeah, fair. Cool. Right, size. Si. Well, we <sighs> nearly will an be hour. Back. I know an hour of waffling. Me waffling. An hour of City chat. Talking Good. City for an hour. Well, look. Yeah. If you're getting recognised, Sai, in Denmark from City fans. That means that what we're doing is working. So hopefully yes, yeah. you'll start getting, and you'll get some sponsorship deals. You'll get some clothing brands <laughs> saying, oh, sorry, we wear this on the next pod. Yeah. Um, I mean, there wasn't anything positive said about me or the podcast, but it was certainly <laughs> recognition. So 
We've got to start These somewhere. These are nine hosts you keep working with. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yes. good. Right, well, we'll, we'll be back uh, to preview Chelsea later in the week. Uh, hopefully, Si, it'll be Joe Bray, because I believe he's back in work now after having a month off. So Best do. Joe Bray might make a return. Uh, get rid Lazy of me. so-and-so. Yeah, I know. How dare he, eh? I know. Let him, let I him know. decide whether he announces why he's been off. <laughs> We're going to tease you. Going to tease the listeners with uh, why Joe's been off. Anyway, Sai, thanks for joining me. Really appreciate it. Go and enjoy Copenhagen. Uh, have a non-alcoholic beer for me, and uh, enjoy the flight back on on tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, Thursday morning. You come back Thursday. Wednesday. It's After the game. Today. Tuesday. Oh, it's game. Tuesday, isn't it? They play Tuesday, don't they? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. They don't often play Tuesday night, so I can understand your. Uh... I'll be honest with you, so I don't know what day is most of the time. No, it's half term no. as well now, so it's going to be yeah, even worse. Yeah. I don't have to get up to take my daughter to school. And it's just going to be like, what, where, what day is it? Yes. <laughs> have I eaten today? <laughs> right, I'll let you go anyway. Thanks very much for listening. Don't forget to leave us a review, hopefully five stars, but you know anything is welcome. Um, if you listen to this on Spotify, there'll be a little question. Did you enjoy this podcast? Make sure you leave a reply. I do like to read them. Some of them good, some of them bad. <laughs> but, um, what, yeah, what's the worst you've had? Well, I, I did a podcast for the United pod uh, in July last year, and we basically yeah. did a midweek show just to try it. And just let me find the review um, because it was quite funny. And it was basically saying, whoever this Seven Sam characters are, get rid of them. Seven Sam podcasts are awful. I'm on the brink of unsubscribing. Absolute gibberish. The pods with the most senior writers are high quality and informative. One star for the new guys. Got to go. (laughs) (laughs) If you are still listening to this, Man City fans... Uh, would appreciate a, a review, good or bad. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't mind. Yeah, and but, we'll cut uh, it down next time because it has been a bit lengthy. I apologise. Right, we, well, we apologise, yeah. Yeah, hasta la vista and uh, see you in the next one. Bye.